Madden Luke's Sci-Fi Sanctuary. The year is 3013. The galaxy is scintillating in the mellow light. Two galactic pilgrims seek out vistas in the samurai future to bring forth the unity of the cosmic shaman. Opening the door of the pantheon of mystics, the evil sorcerer wizard powers the engine of science, seeking to forever alter the sacred balance, traveling on effervescent balls of summer fire. Twilight Zone. Yeah. Hey, everybody. This is kind of two podcasts and and, and one today. Uh, it's Time Enough Podcast, where we talk about the Twilight Zone and beyond. But I can do a double intro today because this is Matt. This is Luke. That is Luke, and it's a sci-fi sanctuary. I'm gonna I'm gonna swap cast it. So um, we're we're just gonna have the twenty thousand in the air, twenty thousand feet in the air view of the Twilight Zone today. Talk to a, a man who. If you're in getting into comedy, he's he, he's kind of the Twilight Zone of comedy, I think. Oh, thank you. <laughs> anyway, I like uh, that. Talking to Tommy Chong. Thanks for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. <laughs> yeah. So something that uh, I was thinking is, I think you're the first person we've had on that could have like actually watched the show like on the air, like when oh, it was yeah. airing. Oh, I was uh, I, I was there when it started. I, I'm so old. I'm before television. <laughs> when i was yeah. a kid when i was literally when i was a kid we never had indoor plumbing let alone television we never had electricity you know i found out uh, just recently that i'm eight percent native so i'm an indigenous uh my mother that meant my mother was a quarter and my grandmother was half native and so i was really and the i was i'm my dad was chinese so I was always taught that I was half Chinese, but they didn't tell me that I was a quarter uh, native. And so I really grew up in, in, a, in a native hut almost. And like I said, we had a, 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 you know, a little cook stove, wood cook stove to heat the house in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, where it got like 30 below for nine months sometimes. And, uh, and so, the entertainment we never had in it. We had the, the most we had was radio. We had a radio, and I sort of a I, I that was my I was in charge of the radio because the rest of the family were too busy, you know, just trying to survive and you know make do without uh, entertainment. But so when uh, when television came in, I remember television. I remember when we got our first television set and all the shows that we watched and uh, the Twilight Zone when it came on. I remember very. Clearly, when that came on, Rod Sterling, because he took you with your imagination and took you up. But he wasn't the first. Remember the War of the Worlds with, um, what's his name? Uh, Orson Welles. Yeah. Yeah, he was the first. He was a really the first, because what he did, he took everybody and told everybody that Mars, <laughs> the Martians were attacking. And people with their imaginations really thought it was true. And so he had him on a trip. So it was, uh, yeah, that show was, it was great. Loved it. 
when Did I you... was growing up, I was obsessed with the musical version of War of the Worlds. Uh, where? The the musical version of War of the Worlds, the Jeff Wayne. Oh, 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 right. Oh, okay. The, when I was a kid, that used to take me on a trip. I was terrified <laughs> of it. That's your yeah. hometown, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I was born in Woking, where War of the Worlds starts. So he's, he's the first to meet the Martians when they come. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, he sees the Martians, yeah. But we've actually yeah, got was... big statues of them in, uh, in my hometown. Oh, really? Oh, my God. What a coincidence. Yep. Something well, I've... yeah, England, obviously, yeah. Uh, right? Yeah. 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 Well, the... Stone, Stonehenge is supposed to have some sort of alien uh, touch to it. And uh, there's all sorts of weird things going on over there. Yeah, we drive past Stonehenge every time we visit if my grandparents. My granddad would say, put, put your hand out the window and you can get some of the power. <laughs> <laughs> that's what the transformers plug into right yeah yeah okay hey tommy you mentioned the radio um I, there's a lot of like kind of twilight zoney shows you know yeah. that preceded like but they were on the radio so i was, I was wondering yeah. if you were like into any of those or if any of those like uh i, I was totally i was totally into radio growing up you know i i heard that's where i got my comedy my first comedy roots where the first comedy album I, I or comedy record, well, there's no albums, but the first comedy record I heard uh, was by Andy Griffith. Remember the the Andy Griffith show? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, Andy, Andy Griffith. He was a comic, and he did a recording called "What It Was Was Football," and it was a story about this young Southern boy seeing a football game for the first time and trying to explain it to his. Uh, his relatives, you know, and he talks about being in a big pasture and these people on one side kicked this thing, looked like a, uh, what, a cow pie uh, or something like that. And, 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 you know, the other side gets that and he tries to run without stepping into something. It was, it was the first comedy and you get, they played it like every day for probably a while, you know, maybe I, I, I couldn't tell the time back then. But that would be early in the morning. We'd listen to the uh, before we went to school, or you know, up early in the morning. And then at night, I, I got to listen to uh, all the, the like the Lone Ranger. Uh, uh, there was uh, the Life of Riley. That was another radio show. Amos and Andy, uh, the the white guys or Jewish guys playing black guys. Uh, yeah, there was all sorts of radio shows, and I heard. Bob Hope, when he was doing his uh, war uh, things, you know, war bonds. And yeah, I, I go way back, way back. There was a there was a radio show called The Shadow. And because of your imagination, it was he was invisible and he would he would listen in on people committing crimes. and He would thwart them at the right time. And, and the, the theme was The Shadow Knows. <laughs> yeah that at least that phrase has resonated a bit through time i, I feel like i don't know am, am i am i getting old it's a can you say the shadow knows and people still know what you're talking about no. <laughs> <laughs> but but as luke knows people only know i'm talking about like maybe 40 percent of the time so yeah. <laughs> um tommy something i like to run on the show is uh, i already flashed you the the prologue and i i asked the guests to give their the reading and you could do it you could do your rod serling impression you could just you know 
do it however you want. I have some people that just do it for annoying voices for the whole time. But if you can give us a reading here. You ready? Yeah. You are traveling through another dimension. A dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind. A journey into a wondrous land whose boundaries are that of imagination. That's the signpost up ahead. Your next stop, the Twilight Zone. Uh, no one did the music that time. That's fine. You don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's hard not to just hear the music like roll into your head a bit uh, when you do it. <laughs> um, well, you know, Cheech and I, when we just uh, decided to do a, an album, comedy album, uh, that's what we drew on my radio listening experience, you know, because uh, back then, you know, when you listen to radio, it was, it wasn't just what it is now, you know, it was really filled. It was theater of the imagination. And, and they, that was the plays they would use. I mean, they would transport you into wherever they wanted to go. And that was like uh, with your imagination, it was much as powerful or probably even more so when you're young and you know and, uh, and and eager eager for that experience you know like like being scared uh, that was another thing you could do over radio with sound real easy you could scare the hell out of people <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yeah I'm, I'm thinking like you know podcasting is kind of getting a lot of us like kind of back there because you're talking yes. about getting the the you know getting scared and stuff and i'm thinking man with a head of you know some headphones on and you got the sound effects you know because people are starting to make these things again uh yeah and <laughs> they are of course in the in the yeah of course of course nothing stays the same it always goes in cycles it's the same thing only only better different yeah yeah i love i, I love what's going on because that's what they're doing too it's it's Imagination, your imagination uh, can take you anywhere. And if you look at it spiritually, which I did when I was in prison, <clears throat> it's your imagination. But if you imagine positively, like you can go into these positive universes, you know, that are real. Some are real, very real, or they they become real, and others are a little beyond the the grasp of reality. But they're also like there's no uh, limit to how how far you can take your imagination if you're on a say a positive, creative, exploring, looking for knowledge. If you're looking for knowledge, as as opposed to seeing how much evil you can you can deal with before before you go, okay, I, that's enough. I don't want to look at that anymore. You know, it's kind of like a stay of your intention. It's like what you're looking for. If you're looking for you know positive universes, you're more likely to find them. But if you you know if you're living in fear, you're going to end up in like a fearful universe. So, well, you know, interesting thing. I was watching uh, John Hinckley. He just got out of uh, prison after serving 40 some odd years. 
for trying to kill President Reagan. And his def- the reason he's still alive, and the reason he's out of jail now, is that he was found innocent uh, d- due to insanity. And, and as a result, what he had to do was prove that he's no longer crazy. And so they let him out, you know, limited release. He's under uh, all sorts of uh, rules that he has to do, but he's, he's, he's alive and free. But watching the interview, I realized it was his imagination that made him do what he did. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's what's going on a lot with the, with the mass killings that are taking place. I'm just watching. Uh, I got CNN with the sound off. And, and so I, I, I keep a bridge of what all the, the latest massacres, you know, the latest, the shootings, the daily shootings that we have. And, and what I realize is that those ones that commit the crimes, including I just watched the, the cops that were waiting outside the, the door while the, the killer was inside the school shooting up everybody. And the cops are not huddled, but they're, they're definitely not in any danger, you know. They're, they're in the door, doorway. And, and uh, it was their imagination that kept them out in fear, you see. And, and you, because that's what you do, you know, when you have time, you can imagine the worst. And, and the trouble is with these cops, they're small time town cops. And so they weren't trained, they weren't combat trained where you, where you lose your will, basically, and you just act. Uh, automatically, you know, and then sometimes you get killed, and other times you don't. And if you don't, go wow, I was lucky. But but when you start thinking about things, like the, obviously the cops did, and it was like, you know, I ain't going in there. I don't want to die. Even in things Pretty that crazy. aren't as ex- extreme as that, even just little day to day things, the version you worry about is always ten times worse than what actually happens. Yes. When it's, you know, you've got to talk to your girlfriend after a fight or you've got to go in for a meeting with your boss. In your head, it's, oh, I'm fired. I'm definitely fired. And it's, it never is that. But your imagination makes you, convinces you that it is. Absolutely. And, and it's a consciousness, too. Because if you, if you do wrong and you know you did wrong, it's your, your it's a thought. It's the thought that drives you. That's the other thing, too. I was... Uh, I do cameos, a lot of cameos, and a lot of the cameos, they want like uplifting uh, uh, short messages, you know? Mm. And, and, uh, and so I try to, uh, to steer people to, uh, to the joys of, of controlling your thoughts. Because if you can control your thoughts, that's why very intelligent people are always reading. They're reading uplifting books or fiction or or even biographies or anything that that puts their thoughts on a nice nice creative uh uh ride you know and and there again that's your imagination and and yeah it's but happiness and 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 i tell them too you know it takes practice it takes a lot of practice and but you also have to explore too i got a little granddaughter She's uh, she, she's coming up to being two years old, and she's so cute. Now she has an, a great imagination, and she scares herself now. Like like she'll watch the little kid program, and it gets scary. Like, ooh, like Halloween, ooh, 
And so she likes that feeling of scaring herself, you know, and watching her discover those those things because it's her, it's your that's when that's what puts us apart from the rest of the the creatures is our imagination. Yeah. And that's I guess that's uh, one of the things I've heard a few people say on the Twilight Zone here is just like, wow, they let people watch this in 1960 because you're coming off. Of like kind of the- I like that. I like that. Let. Yeah. <laughs> they let people see back in the day, there were things they would not let you see. You know, they had that code of conduct, that morality clause on radio and television. You know, radio used to be so strict. You couldn't, there's all things you couldn't talk about, things you couldn't say. You would get, you get bumped off there right away. You can't say that. You know, how dare you? You know, and, and remember the time delay? <laughs> Just oh, in case yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, you know, they had through that time delay switch. Yeah, that that's, wow, that's almost like a thing of the past now. but yeah it's like i I guess i'm wondering about like you know what kind of subversive effect might have come through like you know watching these for the first time like what am i seeing or is it you know do is it something people would walk uh talk about at the water coolers or whatever you know what 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 was the influence uh when you were first seeing this when i first went when you were first seeing twilight zone episodes you know when when they were new what what was the vibe it was a trend back then, you know, uh, in the Twilight Zone, they, they, they were one of the first, but they had other shows that had, you know, that's what they would do. You know, they would, uh, they would dabble in, uh, what do you call it, the seriousness, especially the scary stuff, you know, it seemed to be easier for writers to write, you know, the tough one, you had to have a really a good knack for comedy, you know. And because, you know, comedy is very, it was very touchy, but you can scare people so easy. You know, you can scare them with just a thought. My, 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 when I was a, a, a kid, I, well, not a kid, I was, I guess I, I, I loved to read when I was going to school. I was really good in literature because that was the only thing I really understood. I was terrible in math, not, not hopeless, but terrible enough that it, it was kind of boring, you know, okay, numbers, you know. I, I never found any excitement in numbers, but literature, using your imagination, you know, reading something. And there was one scary story about this girl on her way home from her friend's house. And she hears, oh, she feels somebody following her. And so she's, going home and at first she just walking normally and as she walked she could hear the footprints behind her matching her footprints and then oh my god and then she run and she could hear the the, the sound of, of people running and oh my god she's and she's just almost to her house and, and, and the sound was getting louder and then she really ran really hard Fast, got in the house, went through the front door, opened the door, got in, closed the door, locked. And she felt safe. And then she was looking out the window to see who she was following, who was following her, she she could see. And she heard something behind her breathing. (laughs) Is that that the end? Is that where we ended? Imaginations for the rest? Yeah. (laughs) And when I was a kid, I was like, 
oh, what happened? Oh, okay. It's true. When I was a kid, when I was a kid, the story that got me the most wasn't even quite horror. You know, I'd read a Stephen King book or something, be fine. But there's there was a story like written for like elementary school kids where basically the firecracker goes off in the kid's face because he wasn't careful and he goes blind. And for some reason, that was the one that like stuck in my craw. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. For me, it, it was it was reading all the UFO and alien encounters, all of those books. Every single night, I would absolutely terrify myself. I couldn't sleep. And then the next night, I'd do it all over again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the thrill. Well, you know, it's a, it's a rush. It's adrenaline rush. Yeah. You see, what it is, it, it's a chemical reaction that your body has. When your body's about to be in danger, it sends these pain-killing drugs through your system. And so you can do incredible feats of strength you can run, you can, you, you're awake, you're, all your senses are, 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 are alive because it's to protect the body. The body's in danger. And, and I, like, like thrill seekers, you know, the ones that climb up sides of mountains and, or skydive and all that, you know, that's, that's at a, a, what they're looking for. The high they get is adrenaline rush because you, what you're really doing is you're about to kill your body and so your body goes, oh, no, we're going to be having a lot of pain here. So, boom, let's give them all these good drugs. And so you, you're on that high. And it lasts, sometimes it lasts for a while. It's also the same high you get when, when you either kill somebody or you're about to be killed. It's, mm -hmm. it's the same thing. Because what I guess what happens is that your, your body knows that whatever you're going to be doing, it's going to change. You're, you're really going to die. The old you is going to disappear when you do these this dangerous thing, you know, like if it's a criminal act and you end up in jail, the life that you once knew is dead, you see. And so that's where that 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 uh, that termination thing. And that's why you're um, like you, you go on that high, you go on that, that high. And, 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 and I, I think personally, too, is that that's the high that junkie heroin addicts get because they not only get high on the drug, but they get high on the fact that they're the drug that they're doing to themselves is really killing them. It's going to kill them one way or another. And your body knows that. And so there's a, that's another high you get. And, but in a way it's a fact of life, you know, there, like this is what I learned as you get older is that you learn these things, but then you learn that they're inevitable. There's no cure. There's no cure for it because it, what we're really doing as human beings, we're going through a learning process in the physical world. See, you can only learn things in the physical world. You can't learn things in the physical, in the spiritual world. Because in the spiritual world, there's no want, need, or desire. There just is. There's just love. That's all, that's all you have in the spiritual world. It's the physical world that is exciting. Yeah, I'm thinking another way you can kind of get there. I mean, they call it like the runner's high, right? When you've hit yeah. that wall and you can't go any farther, and then boom, you know, you get well, you're, the, Yeah. yeah. I, well, you're, you're actually uh, killing yourself. And, 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 and that extra one that says, okay, you want to keep going? Okay, I'm going to have to take care of the pain and everything else and, and, and then push you on high. 
uh, I think I, I watched the documentary of Muhammad Ali and, and and all through his career, he was invincible. He was the toughest man on the planet and he really was. And then when he had to come back a couple of times, Fraser, and then he had to beat George Foreman, that's when he should have quit because it was at a height. And then after that, he just went downhill because physically he, he, he was not the, the Superman that he once was. And so he, he just went down the hill. And, but it was that will that he had inside that the thought of the, the thrill of winning and the thought of it that kept him going back in the ring. He was just, he, he couldn't stop until he finally uh, got Parkinson's and, and, and then he died from the injuries that he received by not quitting when he should have, you know. Yeah, I'm from Atlanta, so, you know, it was a big deal. I think it was the, uh, yeah, well, I know it was the 96 Summer Olympics where he was the guy that lit the final lit the and, and it, You could tell the guy was having some trouble making it up there, but again, well, okay. well he, got, he had the willpower to do it, so. <laughs> well, that's, what, that's, that's why uh, they, they got him because of that will that he had, you know, I mean, it was, it was insane it, at the end, but it shows you that you, you will do anything for that high. You know what I mean? That's why junkies kill themselves. That's why, you know, people will, will fold a career, a life, a wife, family, everything, just for the shot of that feeling, that, that feeling, which I guess when you die, you're going to get. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one of the more one of the more effective episodes we did with the first season was a, a boxer, you know, and um, trying trying to win that bout and and you know, supernaturally through a kid being able to win it and finding like that's the worst thing that could happen to him, you know, or the gunfighter yeah. in an early episode. The worst thing that could happen is he wins, you know. Yeah. Uh, if he's yeah. neutralized, he he can actually go on and enjoy his life and sort of like lose that stress, lose that albatross of of being a gunfighter, being a boxer, you know? But, you know, like the fruit fly, you know, where some of us are designed to just, be, you know, shine brightly and then leave. Because that's what I learned uh, is, is the, the in, 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 inevitable eternal life. I mean, eventually we will all realize, uh, or maybe not, that we are eternal beings. And by what, what I mean by that is that we've always been here. All the history that, that we read about, we were there, you know, in one form or another. And, and uh, every time we come back is to learn, to learn what it's like to be Tommy Chong, you know, and learn what it's like to be you. And, and then we'll go through a cycle. And then when, that, when that's over, We'll go back to the spiritual. And by the way, I, I found out that there's an opposite for everything. You know, you can't have one without the other. In other words, you can't have up without down. You can't have uh, near without far. Uh, you can't have cheech without chong kind of thing. You got to have the opposite. And so the, in the physical world, as we're looking through the telescopes and everything else, it's, the, it's everything. Physical world has everything, and what is the opposite of everything? Nothing. Nothing. Mm -hmm. That's the spiritual world. The spiritual world is the opposite of what we are now. That's why there's no. There's always room in the spiritual world. 
because there's the only thing in the spiritual world is energy, which is living energy, which is who we are. And so we're really, our spirit is about the size of a thought. And, and that's what we are. When it comes right down to it, we are a thought. But we're a thought that has been always been here. That's in one form or another. Like energy has always been, you know, the sun has always been the sun. And before that, it was whatever you are before a sun. <laughs> now you could call this a walking meditation, or you could just call it me playing mind games with myself. Or it could be the same thing. But just recently, I've been, you know, looking for fractals, right? I'm in a valley and you look at the mountains and, you know, you look at a closer part of the mountains and it kind of has the same contours, you know, or a crack yeah. in the pavement. You know, you look at a smaller part of the crack and it's pretty much the same thing. So yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's kind of yeah. hard to fully apply that to your life, but you, there's something there for sure, you know? <laughs> well, no, you can, you can, but we're not supposed to. They're not all of us are, are, are not all of us know how to do the Rubik's Cube, you know, not all of us know how, why we're here. And there's so many of us that are not supposed to know, you know, it was, it was spoiler alert. You know, and that's what gurus found out, you know, that they had to shut the fuck up or you end up, you know, if you're too good, you end up being executed, you know, because there's a lot of powerful people that don't want, you know, gurus like Jesus, say, around or Muhammad, you know, and, and so it's not really, well, it depends. I mean, you know, because it's your karma. It's why you're here. And eventually, eventually, think about the universe. Think about eternity. Eventually, we will do everything and, and we'll know what it was like. We probably do now because eternity is, eternity is a very long time. And so we can, you know, go through our life in, in an enlightened manner, but not having to take on any more worries world worries like i meet people now you know they're worried about the climate change and before that they were worried about also the, the war that's yeah there's, there's no war now but there's one coming uh, you know there, it's it's an attitude you can live like that and a lot of people do or you can be like uh, me looking you really for the next experience what's the next experience you know, what's it going to be? It's, it's very exciting. Yeah, my first question for, for all of us really is, when in your life did you find yourself deepest in the twilight zone? I'll give my example of uh, when I was a teenager, my father and I went to the beach and ha ate at this restaurant. Everything looked like the 1920s. The food was great. It was really cheap. You know, we liked it. So six months later, like, let's go back to that place. It was really good. And it was like, a sports bar and it didn't look like a new sports bar so our guess is oh we must have like time jumped into like 1922 or something for a few minutes and ate some fried clams you know so <laughs> i like to cite that as my i had a nice lunch as my my twilight zone experience so uh, uh tommy i know you have a few of them so you know one that wow. you want to share on air of course but what's your what's your deepest wow. twilight zone you're willing to share it was the other night I, I I do the sleep aid and uh, is a CBD mixed with a little melatonin and, and stuff. Anyway, every once in a while, it would give me some really twilight zone dreams. 
where they're every it's it, like it's a that Twilight Zone is, is a great way to describe myself when I when we visit my aunt and uncle when I was about 10 11 years old um, my aunt had a beautiful bed with a quilt it was so nice and it was so nice that uh, one time she let me sleep in there so I would go visit but I'd sneak off and have my nap and while I'm sleeping I woke up but not physically awake my mind I, I would in my mind I could hear what was going around around me but I couldn't I lost the ability to speak but I could hear everything and 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 I'm laying there and I know my I'm you know I'm I'm comfortable and laying there but my mind is awake but my body's asleep and I tried to talk and no sound came out and I tried to scream and no no sound would come out because I was asleep my body was asleep but my mind was awake and so I had to really be, be calm I remember being kind of calm, relaxing, because for a while there you panic because like you're trapped and no one can hear you and you're stuck in a little, and then you realize, oh man, you're just asleep. So go to sleep and wake up right. In fact, that's what my mother used to say to me. <laughs> oh, go to sleep and wake up right. <laughs> and that's what I had to do. And, and so I did it. But I remember the, the feeling. And because I was extremely tired at that one time, and but it was it was a a freaky thing. So the other morning, I'm in that twilight zone sleep, and but in my dream, I'm trying to call my wife. In my dream, I had we got separated. She was across the town, and I I got a we're connected only by the phone and. And my phone, first, I lost power. That was it. I needed to charge up my phone, and so I couldn't charge it up. And it was so maddening because I, 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 I couldn't get a hold of her. I couldn't get a hold of her. And it was so real that when I finally woke up, first thing I did, I picked up my phone and I phoned my wife, who was in the next room. <laughs> and she goes, what? And so I just wanted to, and I told her about the dream. You know, she wasn't really that interested, but I told her about my dream that I had. And I had, to, and so she said, oh, so you had to phone me so you could, so you could complete that, the, and that's what it was. It was, uh, uh, you can't complete a project because you don't have everything. And, and so when I finally woke up, I, I completed it. I felt, I thought, I thought it would make me feel better, but it, it really did. <laughs> I've had a problem sometimes, not a problem, it's more just an amusement where I'll, you know, check my phone in the morning for the time or the weather and then realize, oh, man, that wasn't the real phone. I can't really trust uh, the, I can't trust the information it just gave me because that, that was like a dreamland phone. It was a dream phone. <laughs> yeah. <it was> like <laughs> A few times I, it was like, oh, man, it's way too late. And then, oh, oh, I wake up and it's like, oh, I'm, I'm still like on time. So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. That was my alarm. <laughs> Yeah, my wife, it's funny, she, oh, what they call it anxiety. That's what it was, anxiety. 
uh, dreams. You get anxious. Oh, uh, yeah, anxious. Another dream I have, it's kind of cool because I had a, I was in a really cool rhythm and blues band, you know. I won't say rock band, it wasn't rock at all. In fact, rock came in later and almost was the reason that I got out of the music business, you know, because I was not that young, you know, and I'd rather play blues and, uh, and rock. But I was in, in, in the band and one of my dreams is that I get the band back because one of the, I, ended, I play, used to play with a lot of singers, different singers, but all of a sudden I, I hooked up with one singer that was phenomenal and to the point where he, Bobby Taylor was his name and he was a legend among singers and amongst, and the word would get out, his underground legend. And, uh, and he, we got signed with Motown because of Bobby and because of a song that I wrote <clears throat> and Bobby sang it. And it was an interracial song about Does Your Mama Know About Me was the name of the song. And, and, and for a while there, we toured with the Temptations and the Supremes and the, the Smokey Robinson and Jerry Butler and all the groups. We were up at that level, uh, uh, Stevie Wonder. That was when he was little Stevie Wonder, young Stevie Wonder. And, uh, and so I was up there. And every once in a while, I have these dreams about putting that band back together again. And it's, it's, it's really a... It's a, it is a dream of, of mine it would, to be able to, to, to recapture that, that special moment when, you know, everything is working and, and you're on stage and, and it's incredible. Yeah. I've, you know, I've done enough gigging. I have those dreams sometimes, but the weirdest one of those I had is I had this dream. I'm on stage. It's like an arena. I'm playing bass. For Def Leppard. I'm like, I don't even like Def Leppard. Why am I playing bass for Def Leppard in my dream? I was like, well, there's a crowd here. You know, it's kind of cool to still just groove with a band. So I did it, you know, but I was like, why yeah, Def Leppard. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I don't even like them. So, but, you know, it would be cool to go be in front of an arena playing with them, I'm sure. So it was. Def Leppard well, yeah. up to you and asked you to play, you're not going to say no. Exactly. Whether you like them or not. <laughs> it's just weird. That's the dream I had. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, uh, my life, I've really been ordained. There's been something really special with me. Uh, and I'm really, all my life too, I go way back, you know. And, and I've, what it is, it's, I've had these encounters with really great people, like Muhammad Ali, for instance, you know. Uh, when he was given a lecture tour, he was touring around. Well, Bobby Taylor, the legendary singer, Every, Bobby would always have these stories about great people that he interacted with. And one of the stories was that he, that he went to the Olympics with Muhammad Ali when he was Cassius Clay. And sure enough, we're in Detroit. We're in the middle of our recording career or performance career. And Bobby calls me up and he says, the champ's coming over. Because what Bobby said was true. He did know Muhammad Ali personally. And so Muhammad Ali was coming over to Bobby's apartment in Detroit. Well, just so happened, I had been in San Francisco a couple of days earlier. And I, I met a, a friend of mine. I, I used to play in a, uh, for a strip uh, show. 
you know, like a circus. And one of the girls, Lady Scarlet, she said, she, we were always in touch. We used to be always in touch. And she called me up. She goes, guess who I was with the other night? And I said, who? She goes, Muhammad Ali. I said, really? Yeah. She said she met him, you know, she met him before. And then they got together, had a little, uh, you know, little night on the town. And, uh, and I said, oh, that's so cool. You know, Muhammad Ali. Next thing I know, I'm in the elevator with Muhammad Ali. <laughs> We're going up to the same floor. He doesn't know me from Adam. And he's kind of trying to look, you know, not notice me and look out there's only two of us in the elevator he's looking around you know trying to ignore me and i and so i said lady scarlet says to say hi <laughs> and he his eyes got all big he looked at me like where did this guy come from and then the elevator stopped and it was the floor and he gets off the floor i get off so we go to the same apartment building where Bobby was. And Bobby said to Muhammad Ali, oh, you met Tommy? Oh, yeah, this is Tommy Chong, the guitar player. This is Muhammad Ali. And, and my uh, first wife was was there. And so we didn't say anything about Lady Scarlet or anything. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we took pictures and everything else. But the look on his face. But that's what my life has been like that. I've had encounters with with all the Beatles except uh, uh, Paul. And and I, I put the word out that he's the only Beatle that I had either smoked in front of or smoked with. And because I smoked with George uh, quite a bit, but not, uh, and I could have smoked with John one time. And, and I've always been around Ringo here and there, you know, he's a bit of an alcoholic. It was anyway, but, uh, and George and I always smoked, but Paul is the only guy, Beatle that I hadn't smoked with. And, and so uh, I got the word out and Paul knows it too. And so we got a date that one day we're going to, he, he wants to smoke with Cheech and Chong. So one day it'll be Cheech and Chong and Paul and we, we will record it for sure. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, hey Luke, did you want to throw out uh, anything particularly trippy you got just to, to bounce off, see how it lands? Let's see. I did have one ghost encounter. Yeah, let's hear it. So my ex-girlfriend, a ghost, my ex-girlfriend in the UK, she had, so she lived in one house and her grandmother lived like right next door. Now, while we were dating, her grandmother passed away. And so I'm with her in her house, uh, in her bedroom. And I look out the window into the grandmother's house and there's her grandmother in the other house, just in the window, looking back at me. And she had passed away? Yeah. So was your ghost? Well, I mean, when I'm trying to be logical, I'm like, oh, maybe it was another relative and I just, I didn't know them. But it's clear as day to me, I was looking at the, the grandmother who passed away, yeah. Yeah, it was her etheric, is, I think they call it. Have yeah. you heard that? The etheric, the, the form that, that they had when they were on earth, mm. it, 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 it will visit areas that they know. Like if we sat in a window, you'd see them sitting in the window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a trip. Isn't it? That's a trip. But look, when I tell people that story, they act like it's something scary, but it really wasn't for me. No, because uh, yeah. you know she was a, a really nice lady, and it was actually quite comforting. 
guess, um, I guess that's the thing I'm thinking, you know, like uh, getting to my second question for episodes is I asked if these people deserve their trips in a twilight zone and all of our little trips, you know, we get a nice lunch or we, we see someone on the way out or, uh, man, I, I think I'm going to take your Muhammad Ali story over the, <laughs> over the sleep paralysis one. That was great. <laughs> but I'm like, yeah, these are all, these are all experiences I, I think we deserve. I mean, if he had gotten angry and punched you in the face, that, that maybe, yeah, that wouldn't be so great, but that didn't happen. So. <laughs> no, 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 it was, uh, yeah, it was one of those encounters, you know, I, I, like, I, I yeah, my life has been very serendipity in so many, many kind of freaky ways. And I know, well, I got turned on to spirituality. Where's my book? Uh, there's a, a poet or, or a mystic. His name is Joel Gold, Goldsmith. Hold on. Oh, here it is. And this is really my go-to uh, Twilight Zone story because th this changed my life. This is the book. It's called The Master Speaks, and it's by Joel S. Goldsmith. Now, he's a, he's a Jewish uh, Christian scientist. <laughs> like he's, he's a, he was born a Jew, but he got into Christian science, uh, Mary Baker Eddy. And, and he was a reader in her, as her uh, when she had the, when he, back in the day. This is around the World War I. This World War One. This is how far back he goes, and uh, he became a mystic, uh, more by accident than anything. His father was dying, and he had to take a boat back to uh, to England, uh, where his father was from. And and then the Christian Science told him that uh, he doesn't. Your father doesn't need to die. You can heal him. You have the power. And so they uh, he did a healing. And sure enough, when he arrived back in England, his, his dad met him at the dock. Wow, healthy, well, fine. And he got on the boat and went back to uh, America with Joel. So Joel, but so this is what I found out later. So I started exploring the, the occult and the, the mysticism, mysticism uh, the t Tibetan Book of the Dead, that kind of, I, I was on that, the, the Tibetan thing. And, uh, and then somewhere along the line, I was told that if you, uh, when you're ready, the teacher appears, uh, kind of thing. And I, and, I was, and I was directing my thoughts toward mysticism at that time. And so one day I'm in New York City, I got my gym bag. I, I'd love to go to New York. There's, there was a uh, a bodybuilding gym called Mid City that I used to that all the heavies used to work out there and then I'd go there. I, I really liked working out there, and uh, I was walking with my gym bag on there, and all of a sudden, I felt something take my literally take my body and stop me, and then turn me to face a store, and it was uh, Harper Collins uh, Publishing House, and then. I felt this force take me into the store. I literally, it was almost like I was looking for who's pushing me because I had no intentions of going into the store. But next thing I'm in the store, then I felt my hand, something take my hand and reach down and grab a book. 
and I come up with the, not this one, but the Joe Goldsmith uh, biography. Okay. And so I said, oh, so I went over to the cashier and she goes, oh, you want, you want that book? And she, she said, I can help you. So we made the transaction. I didn't go to the gym. I took that book. And, and then after I got the book, the, the, the force went away. I, 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 I couldn't feel anything after that. And so I got the book in my hand. So I got to read this. So I didn't go to the gym. I went home and I read every bit of it. And it was his biography, uh, the story of Joel. <laughs> and then I started <clears throat> getting his, all the books. He never wrote anything. What he would do, he would give lectures. And, uh, and the way he's, he started giving talks when uh, this neighborhood talks in his kitchen. And, and then these ladies start recording them. And then they would take the recordings and transcribe them into books. And, and then, he, then he got appeared at the Wiltron Theater in 1953, 54. And a lot of his books were recorded at the uh, theater that he was at. And what he does, what he, he did for me and he does for everybody is, is teach you who you really are. You know, how, how ordained that we are. And, and it's one of those ask and you shall receive, one of those things. He quotes uh, the, the Bible quite a bit, off and on. Not as, but he quotes his other writer, Emmett Fox. And that's why I ended up also getting Emmett Fox books. Now, Emmett Fox, another Jew that translated the Bible, the Christian Bible, into uh, lay terms so you understand all the meanings of it. And so you learn all these secrets. And that's what I learned. I learned the secret of healing. I learned the secret of you know, eternal life. I learned the, the secret of uh, prosperity. I learned the secret of, uh, of you know, getting along with, 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 with people, success. And as you can see, my life, you know, it, it's because of what I was reading. Now, I was on the right path. Don't get me wrong. I was on the right path all my life. I've always been on, the, on that, that path. And, uh, but I was just handed to, to one teacher to another. But it was a goldsmith. Uh, you know, me being led right to that store and, and the age I was, you know, that was like, wow. And I, I mean, to this day, I, I can, I, I know that feeling and I haven't, haven't really felt that since that, that where something really took me and, and, and shoved me around. Now I did in my career, I did would blurt out things at certain times, especially when I was with the band, because I was a, I was a songwriter, but I was also like the, the least of all the musicians. I, I was like a backup guitar player. I was never a lead. And, uh, and I was always in the background. I never really spoke, but I had the power to put like nightclubs together and, and, and get work for us and find Bobby Taylor and, and have a hit record, go to Motown and, and rise up that way to a certain moment, and, or then meeting Cheech. And that was another ordained kind of uh, thing. Very, very special because I, I, I really, well, we all are put here for, to help each other basically. But I, I, I feel that I'm here, well, 
definitely to get pot legal, you know, <laughs> and, and because that's what we did, you know, with, with Cheech and I. And, and to not spread the word, because the first thing he tells you to do in the book is do not preach. Do not try to start uh, uh, your own religion. He says, uh, that's not your job, you know. Uh, your job is to abide by the book, not try to sell it to somebody else. You know, you can spend your whole life learning how to act yourself without trying to preach to somebody else. And, and, and like he said, you know, in the book, he says, those that do, you know, they have their own reward, whatever it is, or punishment or whatever it is, because the way uh, Goldsmith has taught us, it's not the money that the amount of money that you have more so than it's the amount of satisfaction that you have inside of you knowing that you are doing your best to make the world a better place and and, and that is a peace of mind you see and that you can't there's no way you can't put a price on that you know that's why these wealthy billionaires, if you meet them, a lot of them are the loneliest creatures on the on the planet <laughs> because they're, you know, their their money builds a moat around them, you know, and all of a sudden they're protected by by everybody that is <laughs> that are there just to get their money. You know, it's 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 a shitstorm. There was a picture recently of Jeff Bezos. He was at Space Mountain at Disneyland. And he, he booked the roller coaster to himself. So there's this photo of this one lonely guy sat alone on a roller coaster, looking like the most miserable man you've ever seen. It's like, <laughs> how know. is this more fun than just riding the roller coaster with the other people? <laughs> I, I know, I know. I hang with these guys all the time, the Trumpies. You know, they love me because I'm famous. Right. You know, yeah. I correct, I, you know. People go home, want to take my picture and, and pose and everything. And I'm famous not only with with people, but with the young kids. And like their own kids won't talk to them. And they they oh they went with Tommy Chong. Oh, and they want to hear all about it. And so I've got a lot of those those friends. But yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's that satisfaction that, that again. I'm always reading, reading my book. He keeps he, he, me centered, you know, balance. And, uh, and my wife, all, uh, see, my wife is another product of, of, of uh, my spiritual quest because I really prayed for, for her to show up. I didn't know that she would actually show up. <laughs> and, and she did, and we've been together forever. And, and my first wife, and we're still very tight and uh, kids and everything is, is, is definitely fine. I am so lucky because I'm happy with what I've done and what I've got. That it doesn't matter what you do or what you have, as long as you're happy with it. Yeah. Yeah, you can definitely go with that. Um, I'm going to, before we finish, I just quickly want to get like, we do talk about these episodes on a tripometer. I have to share the tripometer with you. I mean, that just goes okay. without saying. Where zero oh. is not trippy at all. Five is extremely trippy. 
And um, I, I would just love to get like Tommy Chong's like, you know, five on the tripometer suggestion for a the um a couple of things. The um the the problem we have with guns, you know, the the violence. Um, and I and I figured out well, I figured out a, a, a way to help humanity uh, with what we have. You see, the, the system we have is 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 perfect because it's imperfect, you know. It 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 has uh, the ability. We have the ability to elect someone like uh, Donald Trump, you know, and and then we have also the ability to get rid of someone just like Donald Trump. You know, it's our electoral process. It's a genius, and uh, and you can't game it, as he as he found out. Uh, so I I. I yeah. The way you learn, you you can't give wisdom wisdom away like like freebies. You know, wisdom is something it takes years to acquire sometimes, or sometimes you're born with it. You know, whatever. It's a gift. It's a gift, and that's by the way, that was the only thing that I really tell people that you have to pray for. You don't have to pray for anything, but wisdom. You know. Because when you have wisdom, that's the answer. Whatever's bugging you, whatever's whatever's lacking in your life, you have the wisdom to accept it, or to, to replace it, or whatever it is, you know. But it's it, it's wisdom, and that's knowledge. And then, what I've learned is, I I, I know I enjoy the fame. I know quite a few actors in that they're embarrassed with the fame. And the reason a lot of, and I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't talk like this because another <clears throat> one that I follow is, is judge not, but it's just my opinion that a, a lot of people aren't, especially actors, they fool you. You, you, you know, you see them in roles and then you think, Oh my God, they're so brilliant and everything. And then you find out they're, they're Trumpy, you know, or they're some kind of, uh, racist asshole, you know, I mean, it, it's like, what? You know, then you realize that actors have the ability to use other people's words and make them sound like they're their own, you know, because they're good actors. And and so, so a lot of times you get fooled. You, you, you think it's a guy and it's not the guy, it's the writer that, that really is the genius behind it all. And so everyone's when you when you meet the ones that are really solid, you know, and that's why jazz. That's why I've always admired jazz and great literature, you know, the uh, great artist, you know, someone that is it's not bullshit. You can see what they do. It, you hear what they do. You you appreciate what they do, and, and, uh, in a in a creative manner, you know. But if it's a kind of if it's a kind of creativity that helps humanity, now that 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 is uh, that is something like, like Muhammad Ali, for instance. He he literally showed us the beginning of a beautiful person, you know, who just had all the gifts and everything in the world, and then he showed us that it, it's it's like. He couldn't let go of the of the past. He couldn't age gracefully. 
And that was the trouble with, with sports itself, you know, because a lot of the sports guys, they're, they're, they're sacrificing their youth, you know, and their health um, to, to make other people go, whoa, that was great. You know, and then, like I see Jim Brown every once in a while walking around, he can hardly walk because his knees are all banged up from being uh, tackled by so many places. But, you know, you have to sacrifice in order to gain. But if you do it right, you don't have to hurt yourself or anybody else. And the way you do it is by sharing what you got. You see, that's the secret of life. We're here not only to repopulate the planet, but we're also here to help each other because helping each other is really a test. It's a character test. And that character test takes place as, you, as you're growing up. If you pass the test, then you evolve and you keep evolving and you keep evolving. And if you fail the test, that means you just have to repeat the course again, you see. And, and, and this is what, what I learned. And so that's why you'll find there are people that have a lot of money that are very happy because you know the secret is that the secret of, of wealth, especially, is wealth is like a fertilizer. You know, it does no good to keep it in your in a, in a, in a shed. It only does good when it's spread around the, 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 the planet. And the more you spread the wealth around the planet, the more wealth you're going to acquire. Because that's way like a, like a bad uh, idea or, or, or a bad, you know, a lie will always come back to, to the owner of that lie, the creator of the lie. Well, the wealth, once you spread the goodness around, it multiplies and it multiplies again. And so if, you're, if you've got the right heart, you can't give your fortune away because the more you give it away, the more it comes back to you, you see? And, and that's the way it is and in a very nice way. It comes back to you in so many, so many positive ways. Like with me, I'm, I'm surrounded by beauty. I've been surrounded by beauty all my life, all my life. That I, this woman that I'm married to, she, she, we're, we're going, We've been together so long, it's embarrassing to say it, you know. Our oldest daughter is over 50, you know. She's in her 70s, and she looks like a 14-year-old, or maybe make it legal, make it 18, you know. <laughs> but but I, that's how lucky and, and, and prosperous I am, all because I, I, I follow the rules. See, life is like mm -hmm. golf. It's exciting. It's maddening. It's everything you think you got it together, and the next shot, you're, you're in the shitter, you know, because you lost your concentration. That's what life is like. And in the end, if you do it honestly, then life will reward you. Reward you. And honesty is a must. It's a must for your own, for your own, uh, uh, selfhood but you you don't condemn anybody else and the reason you don't condemn anybody else is because you need that you when you condemn and you also you judge and you you should not judge for your own happy happiness and i've been trying to live by that it's it's very tough but uh, i'm close I'm, I'm getting close to it 
And by the way, everything I said to, is for you guys. You see, my wife would not sit through <laughs> me talking <laughs> or my son or anybody close to me because I, I don't have that, that uh, respect that you have uh, with, with strangers that are, you know, that, that, that want to hear what you have to say or people that we, we think alike. And that's one thing. Yeah. No, you were like talking about, um, you know, the way ordained, the way your life's come together. And like Matt was born in Atlanta, Georgia. I was born in Surrey in the UK. Somehow we both met in this valley in Japan. Um, and Matt and me, I both talk about, you know, you had that force that took you to that book. Some force took over my life and took me to here, to, you know, the center of Zen Buddhism in Japan. And yeah, this. Six years ago, I was working in a supermarket in the UK. Yeah. And now, yeah. look at us now, you know, sometimes look just, at us. you got to and follow we can that. See, that's what I mean. See, see, see how serendipity life is. I mean, what, what made you contact me? You know, what, what you guys contacted me. There, there's a, a force going on. And I, I, I did a, a podcast with Joe Rogan. Now, Joe, when I met Joe, Joe was a big fan of, of me because I'm a comedian. You know, and not only comedian, but records, movies, and everything else. And so Joe really looked up at me. <laughs> but when he found out my my politics and you know, and in the in the, the way I think, you know, it's like, ooh, you know, like he's he, he likes the guns and everything else. And I and I think anybody. Well, I was in in the military in a sense. You know, I was an army cadet, so I know all about weapons. And you know, the first thing they teach you in weapons with in the in the military is that. This will kill you. <laughs> you either respect it or just put it in a safe place. Respect it. It will kill. And, and so you don't, you know, and so I, I, I learned all that. I guess they don't tell you that the Walmart is part of the problem. Do you buy yeah. your gun oh, there? <laughs> I, did I tell you my, my, my uh, uh, solution? Is we got to treat America like a movie set. You know, because when you think about it, Amer everybody in America and probably Japan, too, there's a camera everywhere. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're being filmed right now. We're, I'm being filmed. You're being filmed some way, you know, on the street, in the hall or a selfie or folds. Just like when Trump did his, uh, his uh, armed revolution or his new near coup, everybody had a camera recording all the crimes they were committing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they have the crime. Hey, look at me. I'm in the Speaker Pelosi's office committing a crime. I'm going to do four years of, you know, five years or something in jail because of this, this selfie. <laughs> and so, so what I, what I see with, uh, and I can see cities designating, like in LA, designating areas as a movie set and then using people on, in that area as actors. And then when you're finished with the movie, when you shoot whatever movie you want, be it a documentary and homeless or whatever, these are actors now. And so you have to strike the set. And so when you strike the set, you eliminate the homeless camps. You put people in decent houses. And, and I mean, that's one of the, the solutions I have. And I also have another solution for the marchers from South America. I would like to hire them all as actors. Because I think when you march 1,300 miles or something with carrying a kid, that's like an audition. 
that means you really want to come into America for whatever reason. So why not bring them in as actors and then have them join all the guilds, have them go to school, house, clothes, give them work, and, and, and they can add to our economy, raise the kids as Americans, educate them as Americans, have the, the artists, uh, all the, the, the cream of the crop, because they walk, when you walk 1,300 miles carrying a kid, I think that's uh, enough that I need to know that you really want to be and so we can make it easy. And I can see uh, doing disaster areas with that. And I, and I also see the, the plus side of the Ukraine, the war that's going on in the Ukraine. And, and what really, what's really gonna happen is that eventually, eventually um, they're gonna turn on Putin and they're gonna overthrow Putin. And then they're going to uh, the Ukraine and then Russia is gonna become a democratic uh, a place to live, like the Ukraine is, ancient toward, and uh, and we're going to have peace, you know, because the only reason we have wars now is for the oil, mm -hmm. and because we learned how to replace oil with electricity, uh, with electric cars and that, and in power plants we can replace coal with the sun and the and the, and the solar. Now, what I would like to do do that as a movie, showing everybody that it can be done and then having countries uh, uh, you know copy copy the movie we have so many movies showing us how to fight wars and how to shoot people and how to where's the movie yeah, showing us how to fix it <laughs> yeah basically that's what we got now you know we've got games where you take an ak and you 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 you, you shoot everybody in sight that's the game yeah you see See, back in my day, they had, they outlawed, uh, what do they call them, uh, uh, gangster films, gangster oh, yeah. comics and that. They outlawed them because it showed too much violence. Well, now you've got video games where you, that's your whole game. And that's what these kids that are killing people, they grew up playing those games, those video games, you see. Uh, you don't need that, you know. You don't need it. You can have this... Have them instead of shooting people, have them, uh, you know, uh, uh, paintball, you know, do a paintball. And, and then you can, then you don't hurt anybody, you know. Because of Splatoon, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> we got at least yeah. one game for that. <laughs> but, um, hey, Tabby, I think we've already uh, eaten up a bit more of your time than was originally. So we appreciate that. But uh, is there some stuff you've been up to recently you want to tell the folks about? Sell some product, uh, or uh, just like if you're appearing in something, you got the or the dispensaries, you know, whatever is whatever's on your we mind. We're going to be there's some, some Cheech and I got a, another gig. Cheech uh, opened an art museum, a Chicano art museum in Riverside, California, and it's beautiful and it's been sold out every day, and it's like incredibly uh, successful and so so we got that look forward to we're about to go legal uh, uh, public with a uh, uh, Cheech and Chong weed and uh, and CBD you know that's part of my my thing and uh, yeah so everything on that level is doing really well we're we're, we're 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 kicking ass in there I'm making these little carvings I don't know if you can see it this is out of a antler horn. But what it is, it's a, a joint holder. Where's my joint? Oh, here's one. Uh, 
see, I, I st- I'm back to smoking joints. And so what I do, I, I put them here, I want to light it up, light it up this way. And then I want to set it down. You don't have to worry about ashtrays. You just set it down. <laughs> and then it goes up by itself. And so, uh, but I've been testing a lot of these uh, NFTs are called, but even though, you know, the, the Bitcoin now is sort of like in trouble, uh, you know, that still is part of our, our, our future, you know. But I've been uh, dealing with art. You know, like Cheech's uh, museum. Uh, we're not, I don't think we'll be doing live shows. I'm going to hook up with my son, my youngest son, and do some music. I got some ideas that I, I want to do some. Uh, um, I was listening to rap, you know, and uh, and the rap is is cool, but I I think we got room for uh, uh, not not Christian rap. Not spiritual rap, more like um, uh, comedic rap, you know, where it makes you smile, you know. Like I, I wrote a song about um, about a biker. Uh, uh, yeah, a biker. I, I wrote lyrics for it many, many years ago. And I wrote a, another song about a cop, Sergeant Sunshine is his name. He was in San Francisco. And he, he was a, it's a true story. He got turned on to LSD when it came out. And so he, they called him Sun, Sergeant Sunshine because he would go around and turn on everybody he could, you know, to LSD. And eventually uh, he, he, he left his job. <laughs> it was kind of a mutual, yeah. Yeah, not really compatible. Uh, <laughs> yeah, put on some clothes and you cover your balls and uh, you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Um, like I said, I'm, I, I guess this is like for us, like kind of a multi podcasting. So you'll just find us podcastio podcastius at Patreon where we talk about lots of things. Luke loves some Pokemon for some of the nicer video games. I, I love fun. your headphones and, and you remind me of Howard Stern. Because <laughs> 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 that's what Howard Stern, he needed his mic and it's, it's almost like a soother, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. It looks like you know, Christmas presents. Got to be a mic holder. holder. Yeah, I like that. I like that. It's cool. No, it's I did a ton of radio when I was, uh, when Cheech and I broke up. Uh, Cheech, you know, was on television with uh, Don Johnson. I went on the road doing stand up with my wife. And so I would do early morning radio all the time. Loved it. Had a great time. You meet nice people, man. I, I, I a radio and i got a friend that owns a lot of radio stations and that yeah, yeah i still like radio but i grew up with it so mm. yeah I, when i started podcasting what, what was the, the the complaint i had too much of a radio voice probably because i'd been doing the radio <laughs> you had a face for radio did you i had a face <laughs> for radio that's it <laughs> yeah. okay yeah. Anyway, I guess we'll wrap it up for today then. But man, it's been a, always a blast talking. You know, it's 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 very cool that we can you know just kind of zoom on in with with Tommy Chong over here and there. <laughs> well, anytime, anytime. Like like you say, you know, I I, I do live in the twilight zone. I, I always have, and um, it's a good time, good place to be. Good time to play golf too. Twilight. That's what we used to do because what happens 
gets dark and you got to quit. Ah. So you don't slug slug through the whole 18 holes. (laughs) So you only play, we we play six holes. That's going to be Palm Springs though, yeah? Like Palm Springs or something? Because I'm thinking if you did that that here, you're going to get eaten by mosquitoes playing golf in the toilet. (laughs) Oh yeah, there, yeah. No, the desert, man. I, I love the desert. I love golf, though. You know, I, I got into golf in, uh, well, I got into talking about it in prison. And then when I got out, uh, my uh, buddy that I was in jail with, he arranged to get me a, a set of free clubs from Cleveland. And so I, uh, I started playing golf. And then I came up with a uh, very unique way of putting, uh, where I putt with the nose of the putter. And... Uh, and you, you can't miss it. It's like playing pool almost. In fact, it is like playing pool. And you, one hand and with the nose. And so I got pretty deadly with that. I, I, I was going to build a game. I, I'm a professional procrastinator, by the way. I, I got so many projects. That one of these days, that was a phrase my dad used to say, one of these days, you know, one of these days. Well, we know you get some of them done, at least, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay guys okay thanks we'll have to catch you in our time keep it groovy yeah. out there another time thanks. you guys keep it cool okay <laughs> Bye. goodbye